difference between what it means to be good when you're trying to be epic. Uh, no, you don't gotta believe in me. Nothing can stop me. I already said it. I'm taking everything they stole from us. Yeah. You got your problems, I'm a whole nother. I'm giving people something to believe in. I'm a show them freedom like a boat. And welcome back, everyone, to a special edition of uh, Last Call, only on Blue Wire Hustle Network. And now, join me on the line. Uh, well, I'm bringing one of my, my uh, oldies but goldies back here. It's our weekend wrap-up. It's a Sunday. It's uh, what we're going to be talking uh, – well, everybody's getting ready for football and golf. We're going to be talking about boxing here. And this man knows everything about the sport. Well, he's in bed with a lot of people. I'll give you from uh, two dudes and a Mexican on YouTube and also from the boxingscene.com. I'll give you Vic Salazar. So, Vic, uh, wild weekend this weekend. And usually there's a lot of good, some bad, some ugly. This has been a lot of bad and a lot of ugly, some good. Let's start with the good here. Uh, we, Bud Crawford, I mean, you you can't deny he, he is a special talent. Were you surprised at how quickly he got rid of Kel Brook? No, uh, thanks for having me on, Chris. Uh, and, and I'm only in bed with uh, my girlfriend, so before I get in trouble. <laughs> um, no, um, listen, man, when this fight was first made, uh, they, there were, there was talks about it being on pay-per-view and I was like, this is bullshit. Like I'm, I'm never going to pay for a Kell Brook, Terrence Crawford fight on pay-per-view, maybe four years ago that I'll pay for pay-per-view. And then they, they talked about putting it on the plus. I was like, great. I already have the plus. I'm all right with it. You know, I'm already paying for the subscription, good content. And then when they put it on ESPN, Great. They had to hype it up, though, right? They had to hype it up. Everyone on Twitter, all these pundits were like, yeah, Kell Brook, only two losses, a bigger Triple G, and he fought valiantly against Errol Spence. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, he has two eyes that are not the same from fighting Triple G and Errol Spence. His punch resistance after fighting a Triple G went down. That was evident in the Errol Spence fight. And then Errol Spence basically... Finished the job, you know, basically, you know how many, you know how many Pacquiao finished the job that Shane Mosley started on Margarito Spence finished the job that Triple G started on Kell Brook. I knew this fight wasn't going to go long. I knew this fight was going to be a knockout. I, I was thinking in six rounds, but you know what? Kell Brook has a good jab. I've always known that he's always been a good boxer. And I, at one point I had him as the best welterweight, maybe six or seven years ago, but this is not six or seven years ago, and he has gone through two two rough fights. And if Brock Crawford decides to switch to Southpaw from the beginning, this fight might not even go two. I get that, and look, I picked. I also picked this fight to to end the knockout for Bud Crawford. I guess I'm impressed with the fact that Bud Crawford was able to knock him out with just one punch. And yeah, I get it. Kell Brook's not what he is. He's still better than a lot of welterweights. I mean, he is probably a top 15 welterweight. And he made, he, and basically Bud Crawford made him look stupid. So I got to give him credit for that. But I, here's the biggest question from this whole thing. Uh, where does Bud Crawford go? Because I'm tired of hearing about Bob Arum saying, oh, well, we're going to make Pacquiao fight. You're, we're going to make Errol Spence fight. No, you're not. You don't want to deal with, with Al Heyman. And Al Heyman doesn't want to deal with Bob Arum at all. So, where does Bud Crawford go from here? And at what point does Bud go, Bob, I'm firing you. I, I love you, but I got to move on. Listen, I, I think you what you saw yesterday uh, with Bob Barum and Terrence Crawford in that post-fight interview were two guys who weren't on the same page. 
right? You saw Bob Aaron basically saying, you know, we want the Errol Spence fight. You know, you know, I, I put money that Errol, you know, that 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 Bud Crawford can beat Errol Spence and Danny Garcia on the same night. And then what'd you hear? Bud Crawford say right after that, he said, "I want the Manny Pacquiao fight." So you see that these two, like, they're not on the same page right now. Bud's lawyer, you know, came out with something before the fight saying that you know there's 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 rumblings that we're not on the same page. We want the Errol Spence fight, or we want bigger fights, not these type of fights. And frankly, Top Rank has developed a lot of good stars while making Terrence Bud Crawford one of the best fighters in the world. At this point, if they're not going to get together with Al Heyman to make the Spence fight or to make a Garcia fight or to make a Thurman fight, it's best that they part ways, right? As much as I would love to see Spence Crawford next joint pay-per-view, I'll pay $100. Like, you want to charge me $120? I'll pay $120 to watch this fight. But if dragging out these negotiations are going to give us another one or two years of us waiting for this fight, I think Top Rank's in a good position to let Bud Crawford go. They have stars. You know, they have a Jose Ramirez. They have an Inouye. They got Tyson Fury. Like, they're not struggling for business. So I think at the end of the day, what's best for both, like, right, Top Rank has their stars. They, they're going to make a killing whenever Tyson Fury fights Anthony Joshua. Whenever Tyson Fury fights Deontay Wilder, Inoue, Lomachenko, they got Teofime Lopez, right? Teofime Lopez fought to 3 million people on ESPN. He's going to be a star. Don't hold on to this Bud Crawford thing for us not to get the fight. Bud Crawford is one of the best fighters in the world. But you know what Bud Crawford is lacking? Signature wins. And he's not going to get that with top rank right now. This ties into a part here because you, you're you following this. I'm gonna, we'll, we'll get back to on this segment, but I know Bob's saying, I'm in a hunt for certain fighters. And he's, he's saying, oh, we're going to be in a hunt for a guy like Canelo Alvarez. Is that possible? I mean, is there certain fighters of just out that Bob's not going to be able to get? Because as he said, he doesn't, Bob doesn't play well with others. Bob does not want to co-promote. Bob doesn't want to have to work with other promoters if he doesn't have to. He doesn't want to work with Al Heyman. He's not been fond of working with Eddie Hearn at times. Is Canelo Alvarez a guy that they could get, or is Canelo basically either PBC bound or matchroom sport bound? I think uh, I think Canelo is going to go the route of Floyd Mayweather, not be contractually binded to anyone, Unless there's, you know, $40 million attached to it, which in this market probably is not going to happen. So I think he's going to take it on a fight-to-fight basis. You know, the rumors are right now that he's fighting Callum Smith, which I think is a great fight. And it's going to be on the zone. This the zone, you know, contract that he just left. But he's going to fight there, not for $36 million, but maybe for $20 million. So he's gonna, I think he's going to take it on a fight-to-fight basis. You know, and I think that's how he should do it. He is the biggest commodity in the sport in the U.S. Uh, you know, Tyson Fury might be the biggest commodity, AJ, outside of the U.S. But in the U.S., it's Canelo. And where the money is mostly made is in the U.S. So he can dictate that now. Can he did take $40 million? I'm I'm not sure because in this COVID market, in this pay-per-view market, like you make, the, you, you make your most money on pay-per-view. As, as much as boxing fans hate the word pay-per-view, Floyd Mayweather isn't making $400 million fighting McGregor or fighting Pacquiao on the zone or on Fox, you know, 
regular Fox or on regular ESPN. He's going to get all this money because of the pay-per-view buy. So the 4 million buys, the 5 million buys, whatever, 4.6, 4.2, that's going to net money. Canelo can't net money in this market right now because, one, I don't think there's opponents that are net that, but it's just a tough financial market to begin with. But if Canelo wants to make the most money possible, he's going to stay a free agent. And I, I just think that's how it goes. And like I said, pay-per-view is where fighters make their most money. And right now it's a stale market where people aren't, you know, outside of maybe a couple UFC guys, you're not touching a million. You know what I'm saying? Like outside of the UFC guys, you know, the big name UFC guys, and outside of Deontay, Warrior, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, there hasn't been much to touch a million. So you, you need at least a million to make some type of money. And right now, I don't, I don't foresee that happening with the Callum Smith, with uh, Billy Joe Saunders, with uh, throw anyone out there not named Triple G. Maybe they'll do it with Spence, but, I mean, Spence is still a far away from 160, and he's still got business to take care of 147. I just don't see anyone of Canelo's opponents bringing in a million buys. Getting back onto this weekend's fights, you mentioned Kell Brook, and where does Kell fit in with his history? Because you feel bad because he should have he should go down as one of the best welterweights, and unfortunately, because of him and Eddie Hearn, they made the mistake of jumping two weight classes, taking on Triple G, Triple G breaking both his orbital bones, and then, as you said, Errol Spence finished the job. I mean, I think right now. Brook versus Amir Khan should happen. But where else does Kell Brook go? And then how much of his career is about one of those guys that his heart was bigger than his body? I think uh, I think it, it, it was – I think that the only thing that's left for him right now is the Amir Khan fight. There's literally nothing else. I don't want to see him at 154. I definitely don't want to see him at 160. At 147, maybe, you know, if, if Keith Thurman decides to want to have a comeback fight, before, you know, fighting Errol Spence or, or rematching Sean Porter or any of that, maybe that, but it definitely not the Keith Thurman. I mean, it has to be Amir Khan. Like, that's it. You know, Cal Brook has made a lot of money. I mean, not a lot of money, but he's made decent money in a couple fights. I feel bad for Cal Brook because talent-wise, he was a really good welterweight in his prime, and I feel like whether it was him, Eddie Hearn, his management, they just didn't manage his career properly. You know, jumping up to fight Triple G for, you know, six, seven million dollars. At the time, you know, the, the, the seven million dollars sounds good, but what, what happened to him afterwards? You know, he hasn't had a significant win. He hasn't been the same fighter. And I feel like he could have stretched out runs against the Keith Thurmans, the Danny Garcias. You know, maybe rematch Sean Porter if he wanted to do that. And maybe at some point fought Bud Crawford, but not at the stage of his career that he's in now where his punch resistance is very minimal. So I, I think he was a fine fighter. I think he had the ability to probably be one of the best welterweights in the world. But because his career was mismanaged, whether it was impatience of, you know, waiting for Amir Khan, because Amir Khan definitely – you know what I mean? Definitely, definitely dragged it out because Amir Khan thought he was a bigger superstar than what he was, that he didn't want to give Cal Brook that fight. You know, he, Amir Khan waited years for a Mayweather fight that never came. You know, and that's sad because domestically in England, that would have been one of the biggest fights possible to, to have ever been made. Cal Brook, 
Amir Khan, 147, somewhere in England, 40,000 fans. And, and you know what I mean? And now we're probably not going to get it, you know, unless something happens with Amir Khan and he still wants to fight. Like, But it's just sad. I just think that there was a mismanagement of Kel Brook's career, and he could have been at least a top three Walter White, a, a top five Walter White of this era. But now we're just going to remember him for one Sean Porter win and losing three times when he stepped up to fight Triple G when he fought Spence and now Bud Crawford. Well, a fight that didn't get enough pull in the United States, but worldwide, I think a lot. I want to talk about this. Katie Taylor keeps on winning. And you and I both like her as a fighter. As a person, she's this wonderful person. So let's start off here with, is she the best female fighter in the world right now? Pound for pound. When you break down everything, when you break down skill, technique, is she the best in the world at what she does? Um, I wouldn't say she's the best. I definitely think she's top two or three. Uh, I just think it's hard to gauge the women's boxing divisions and and just the, the whole outlook of the sport because there's not many fighters in East Division. There's not many fighters that you can possibly fight to make big fights. Obviously, you have a Carissa Shields who you know has the self titled moniker as greatest woman of all time already. And, and then, of course, you have Amanda Serrano. I mean, if you're going to say anything about accomplishments, I mean, Amanda Serrano's won, what, five world titles and five different weight classes or something of that nature? Like, we keep forgetting about her. And I've never seen an Amanda Serrano fight where her victory was in question. I have seen a Katie Taylor fight where her victory was in question. So I think... Those are probably the three best ones right now. I, I know there was a, a, a woman on the undercard. I think her last name's Harper, who looked really good, too. And then there's Makayla Mayer, you know. So I think if you pick and choose from that five bunch, I think any one of them would would have a stakely claim. Maybe not Harper yet. Maybe not Mayer yet. But definitely Shields, Serrano, or Taylor. But right now, I mean... I like Amanda Serrano, and, I, and it sucks because Amanda Serrano doesn't get that much, you know, plug as Clarissa or Katie Taylor. So, you know, if I had to pick the the best woman's fighter in the world right now, I'm definitely picking Amanda. And then just, just you know, the other two are close seconds. Why are, they, why are neither of them that big? When I say big, I mean, Ronda Rousey was big. Misha Tate was big. You can even argue Gina Carano, uh, Cyborg. Amanda Nunez, even uh, to an extent, you also have Paige Van Zandt. I mean, you you mentioned those women. Most people know who they are. They're on mainstream, you know, media televisions. They're doing uh, their own shows or acting or all this. They became household names. You don't hear that with Kayla Meyer or with uh, Marla Sparza or with Clarissa Shields to an extent. Why is it? Why is it that boxing, no matter how hard they've tried, and that's a, that's a debate for a whole different day. They can't get a female fighter to become a household name. What is the, the big drawback? Well, I think Katie Taylor is one of, is a different animal because she has been promoted really well outside the gate. So she might be the only women's boxing star right now. I mean, if, if, if there was, if there was able to have, to be a crowd uh, in the fights yesterday, she brought us sold out the arena 
I'm sure if, if Eddie could have, you know, swindled his way into making it a pay-per-view yesterday, he would have, and it would have done well. Uh, but outside of her, the reason it's very difficult for women's boxing to be on the same page, number one, there's just not enough women's boxers. You know, if, if Clarissa Shields fights two people in one year, that's basically her cleaning up the division because the rest of the division sucks. So I think that's an issue. I think the issue of two-minute rounds is ridiculous. I just, I just don't understand it. Like, if, if you want to be on par with men's boxing, and if you want to be on par, like, what are two-minute rounds? The two-minute rounds are just, you know, you're basically fighting 24 minutes in a 12-round fight. You're fighting 20 minutes in a 10-round fight. Like, I think that's just preposterous, and I also think you need – like if as as much as people care about safety, you choose a sport, right? You're choosing a sport where you know you're gonna get punched in the head, right? You know that there's possibilities that you're not gonna come out this sport the same way that you entered it. So why not use smaller gloves, right? Why does MMA succeed in pushing these women fighters? Because guess what? There's knockouts. We love knockouts. How many knockouts do we get in a woman's fight? Not many. So Give me longer rounds, right? Because essentially that will either tire out the woman or, you know, endurance comes in. Obviously, longer rounds means you need more endurance. And at the times, if you don't have endurance, you can get stopped if you don't have endurance, right? Accumulation of punches will stop you. But give me smaller gloves, you know? Let, let's make it on par with the men. If that's, that's the only way to do it. That's the only way to do it. We need more knockouts. Because if not, who's going to want to watch 10 rounds of women's back and forth with no one getting hurt with no one essentially getting knocked down. Not many people. Like I wouldn't want to watch that. I hate it. You know, I love, I love chess matches as much as anyone. Right. I can watch a Floyd Mayweather fight, but I also don't like watching fights maybe of like a Rigondeaux or an Andrade where they just don't throw punches. Or if they do throw punches, they're not really hurting you. You know what I mean? Like a, a Leo Santa Cruz comes to mind, entertaining fighter, but when he throws punches, he doesn't really hurt you. So we need more action, bro. That's that's all it is. More action, more knockouts, longer rounds. Regarding Katie Tim, we'll move on after this. How much does it also hurt for her that she's not really a trash talker? She's not Ronda Rousey. She, as you said, so she's not a finisher. She's not a trash talker. She's very polite. How much does that hurt the, especially the U.S. market where? I think fans want something that only exists in MMA, where they want their fire to talk trash, they want their female fire to look damn good in bikini, and they want her to finish fights. And Katie Taylor doesn't do two of those things. She's not really a trash talker. She doesn't finish fights. How much does that hurt her, in this, especially in the United States, where they just look and go, okay, she's nice and boring. Talented, but just nice and boring. You know what? You know what would essentially get rid of that moniker, even if she was nice and didn't look good in a bikini, a knockout, right? How, how many people are lining up to see Amanda Nunez in a bikini? Not many, right? But what's she doing? She's fucking women up. Like that's just the name of the game. If you want to catch the sports attention, you gotta fuck shit. If you don't, as a woman, as, as misogynistic or as sexist as it sounds, we're just not even going to watch. I mean, that's just the, the nature of it. You know what I mean? You want to get 
Like who watches boxing? Who watches MMA? Majority is males, right? You want to get our attention, you know, 10 pound, 10 round pity pass back and forth. is not going to get the male attention. So yeah, it hurts her where the fact that she doesn't talk trash and she doesn't, you know, she's, you know, bland or whatever. And it might not be any male's cup of tea, but if she was to knock people out, I guarantee you men would watch. And that goes for any woman. If you, if you start knocking people out or at least getting some knockdowns, people will watch. I mean, I, I think that's just how we want to be entertained. That's boxing is a sport, right? Even though it, it's, you don't play boxing, as I say, it's not a game, but people want to be entertained and that's why they tune in. Let's talk about the bad part of this weekend. Joshua Franco, Andrew Maloney. I'm still pissed about this. And I'm pissed because you think boxing would at least get it right after years. I mean, they've always been behind the curve. It's very like the retarded brother of hockey, football, basketball, baseball, even MMA. They are the retarded little brother in the sense of doing new things like instant replay, like working on, you know, promoting themselves. They are just are. You finally do instant replay. And Andrew Maloney still gets screwed. I mean, you have proof. He got headbutted. They went to the replay. They showed he got headbutted. He doesn't win a decision. It basically goes to an no contest. Bob is threatening to leave Vegas, which we'll talk about later on. How bad does it make this sport look that they can't get it right? A 12-year-old could get it right, and yet boxing officials just look and go, we have no idea. Um, listen, <laughs> uh, first off, I want to say I, I, uh, I bet Maloney plus 275, so I got screwed too. Um, <laughs> I wanted my money. <laughs> I thought Maloney was going to win the rematch. Uh, I just thought he uh, he fought a very cautious first fight in the beginning, and it kind of put him behind the eight ball. And you could tell in this fight he wasn't going to be cautious. He was not just going to have his hands laid back. He came out throwing, and he deserved to win the fight. Clearly, there was no fucking head bunt. Like, maybe there was a graze of head on the other side of Joshua Franco's face, which would have caused nothing on the other side. Whatever happened to Joshua Franco's face was a head bunt. Was, I mean, was a punch, excuse me. And then what happened afterwards was more punches. That's why the eye closed. And maybe you can say that he was thumbed, but guess what? A thumb now, the, the, uh, the thumb is now attached to the glove. So it's not something that's just hanging out there where you can basically stick your thumb in someone, like in a clinch or something. So if the thumb landed, I guarantee you Joshua Maloney I mean, Joshua Maloney, uh, Andrew Maloney wasn't trying to thumb him, right? It was a punch that probably he tried to slip and dodge and the thumb went in his eye. That is considered a punch. So that is legal. So, no, there was no headbutt. And then the aftermath of what happens is horseshit, right? If there's one state commission on this planet that will hide the incompetence of their officials more than anyone else, it's Nevada. We still have the birds there, Right. They should both. They should have both been fucking let go a long time ago, right? Adelaide Bird, Robert Bird, ridiculous. How you have a fucking seventy-year-old man manning the replay booth is retarded. I mean, uh, like, come on, man. Like, why is Robert Bird in charge of these three screens? Does he even know how to work these three screens? Let's be real. Secondly, Russell Mora. This is the same Russell Mora that let fucking 
uh, the, the, the low blows with, you know, Abner Mares and Agbeko years ago. Years ago, he let them go. And this guy's still wrestling. You, you got guys like Vic Draculich, who's a terrible ref. Who else? The, the main guy, the main guy, and I know he's sick now, Joe Cortez. So, you know, nothing against his health or whatever. But for the last couple years of his career, he was a terrible ref. But this is the guy that this is, these are the people that are heading your fucking commission when it comes to boxing. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I think, you know, Kenny Bayless is an okay ref. He used to be a better ref, but he's getting older. Uh, Tony Weeks, I also think, is an okay ref. But majority of them, I mean, okay, they aren't good refs anymore. Like, they're not great refs. They're not great officials. You know, you got stupid scorecards coming from Vegas all the time. And then when, when I, I believe it was Kevin Ioli or, or whoever it was, asked Bob Bennett about replay, the answer that this fucking guy gave, and I'm sorry I'm cursing because it's, it's, it's really, really frustrating. He says when NFL replay first came out in 1976, they had their issues too. He said 1976, Chris, 1976. Yeah. It's 2020. He's talking about something that happened 44 years ago. I understand that there might have been problems 44 years ago, but 2020, you're referencing 1976? I, I just lost it. I was like, this, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, we joke about, you know, boxing dying, boxing, you know, being on its deathbed. And every promoter says, oh, I'm overreacting, but it's become a niche sport. And this doesn't help. And I get, at what point do you look and go, and, and look, Bob Aram is as political as can be, and we can talk politics since you're a liberal, I'm a conservative, that's the whole thing, but nobody holds Vegas to, their, to the fire. Bob still goes back there. Oscar still goes back there. PBC, not as much, because they're not really a Vegas group, but they go back. And I wonder, at what point is it time for boxing to go, yeah, we're not going back here until there's major changes. I mean, mass firings, mass, you know, referee overhaul, mass, you know, judging overhaul, because it makes the sport look stupid. This drew, this, I mean, this chased away boxing fans. This chased away casual fans, because you look and you go, it's either corrupt or it's Keystone Cops at its best. Neither one is something you want to have for your sport. I mean, looking. I mean, is it time for everybody to just go look at Vegas and go, pass? Sorry, we're not going back there. Yeah, here's the thing, right? There's no, there's no one place that's going to pay more for a fight outside of the Middle East and Vegas, right? That, you know, what, what comes with Vegas is a lot of money. It's comp rooms, comp uh, food. You know, but basically everything is, com is comped. Anything, if, if you go to New York, if you go to California, uh, maybe Texas to a certain extent, you're not going to get these concessions, you know, because, you know, entertainment is key in Las Vegas and you bring a big fight to Las Vegas, you know, MGM, the win, all these people are going to overpay because they want to get their big money rollers into Vegas. Better way to do it to comp your big money rollers is to give them free tickets to a fight. And that's why they'll overpay for any fight. But it's like this, right? I, I tweeted this yesterday. The Knicks are never going to be good. You know why? Because the Knicks sell out the garden every night. Good, bad, indifferent. People still go to the games. And their value every year. The Knicks are still the most valuable NBA franchise. 
how can a chair, how can an NBA franchise that hasn't won a title since 1976, that hasn't been to an NBA finals since 2001, still be the most valuable franchise, right? In this day and age, when you have the Lakers, when you have the Warriors, when you have the Celtics, when you have anybody that has sure, won a let me jump in quickly. With the COVID right? market, that no longer applies. I mean, you're no longer having fans there. So it's not like you need to have comp rooms and all right, that. Right, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? The only way it's going to change, like the Knicks, is people stop going to the games. The only way Nevada is going to stop the bullshit is if people stop bringing fights there. But guess what? What's the name of this money? What's the name of this boxing game? Making money. And they're always going to go to the highest bidder. It's just, it, it just proves, right? Anytime, anytime a big fight happens, anytime, you know, Mayweather Pacquiao, fucking Canelo Triple G, oh, we're going to go to Texas. Jerry Jones has this great offer, 100,000 fans. Bullshit, right? All you want is 15 more million dollars from the MGM. So instead of having 100,000 fans there, you'll have 14,000 at the MGM or 18,000 at T-Mobile, whatever it is, right? It's always like that. Anytime you hear, oh, Canelo might go to New York and fight this guy. Mayweather might go to New York and fight this guy. Oh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. No. It always ends up in Vegas because they overpay. And at the end of the day, if, if, if someone wants change at the end of the day, they're going to have to stop going to Vegas. Do I see that happening? No, I don't. Um, because it's, it's been proven over, you know, the history of boxing, right? It's always where the money is. It's never about the fans, right? It's never about what's best for the sport. It's always what's best for the pockets. Last question we have to end is, I know we're, we're running up against it here. At what point does ESPN back out of boxing? We're not making money off of this, I'm guessing. We're, we're not looking at this deal going... Yeah, these are great ratings. I mean, once in a while you get a three. That's with Teofimo versus, you know, Lomachenko. Vasily Lomachenko. I'm guessing the ratings for this might be a two, and probably because you had a 30-minute delay due to a whole, re, you know, recap bullshit. You have boxing keeping putting these fights on at 10 o'clock at night. Eastern fans are looking going, I want to go to bed. Damn, God damn, it's midnight. I don't want to stay up till 2 a.m. in the morning. Are we getting to the point where – we, you know, we used to have it was HBO, you had Showtime, you had all the, the PBC networks, you know, you had ESPN. Even is there a point where ESPN just looks and goes, Yeah, we're, we'll, we'll pass. We're just this isn't, you know, we don't, we don't got to sink money into this. College football gets more ratings than a Bud Crawford versus whoever the hell is going to throw in there and fight. Well, I, first off, I, I think, um, the core boxing fan is never going to leave. I, I know I didn't answer that question. So from the 30 minutes. I'm talking ESPN execs. At what point? Do they yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm saying in terms of the Maloney thing, I, I think, yeah, it lost casual fans after the Florida-Arkansas lead-in. I think that was terrible. I think something like that just has to – they have to do a better job of that. Um, do I think ESPN will back out of boxing? I don't think they will just because – their plus platform needs as much content as possible. And a lot of that content pre-COVID or during COVID was boxing. Um, even though now most sports are coming back. 
but I think they need the programming, and I, and I don't think they pay a premium for boxing. You, you know, any any big fight that you're going to get outside of maybe a Lomachenko and, and Teofimo, whether it's, you know, if it, it involves Spence Crawford, if it involves Wilder Fury, it's going to be an ESPN pay-per-view. So I don't think they're paying that much for the content, so I think that's why they're going to keep it. But it begs the question, right? They are laying people off. Um, they are also trying to renegotiate their Monday night football package because they feel like they're getting shafted by the NFL uh, in terms of games. They feel like the Thursday night games are, are now better than the Monday night games. So they might be making a play to put, put some funds together to either get a more attractive Monday night football package or try to take away the Sunday night football package from NBC and put it on ABC. So if that was to happen, then yeah, I think uh, we might, they might ax the boxing budget, but for now, Maybe for the next year or two, I think boxing is safe, but they have a lot of work to do if they want to stay on network television. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, he know he he's in. As I said, he knows everybody in this business, and well, he is knows exactly what he's talking about, and he's not afraid to pull punches or uh, call people out. I give you once again the host of Two Dudes and the Mexican, as well as the BoxingScene.com. I give you it's Vic Salazar, a Vic. Where else can fans check you out at? Because I know that you also talk American football, European football, everything else in between. Where can fans go to see your writings or even hear your own podcast? Yeah, so right now uh, I do the Two Dudes in a Mexican vlog show with my boy P and uh, Dave. Uh, I also have a Premier League podcast called The Premier League Yanker, which is on iTunes and Spotify. And any of your data service providers, I'm on. I'm on everything. You know, I've taken a liking to European football in in quarantine because you know we just literally had nothing to do, and I was home and I was watching a lot of that, a lot of footy. So yeah, check it out there. I mean, I love it. I love the banter, and of course, once things start coming back, I'll be covering boxing for BoxingScene.com. Hopefully, in the next year, you know, I get to go to live events. But, yeah, you can find me. You can find my work on BoxingTeam.com, the Premier League Yanker on iTunes and Spotify, Two Dudes in Mexican on YouTube. And, as always, if you want to talk shit with any sport, you know, I'm watching golf now at this point. Uh, on Twitter, VicMatic1119. I mean, I, I usually, you know, talk shit with you, talk shit back and forth, but it's always fun. So, yeah, that's where I'll be at. Vic Salazar, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are proud to have him on the show. We come back uh, Monday as I said, we got David Morrell Jr. We've got it is Yornel Luco plus Keith Killer Leah Bellator fame. We're gonna be talking with all three of those guys only on last call. Last call to the alcohol only on it is the Blue Wire Hustle Network. Stay tuned for more great action only on Blue Wire Hustle. <laughs>